Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, why don't you give him some praise really quick? Just put your hands together, shout. 2024, here we come, overflowing on a rainy day. That's good. All right, let's go. Why don't you turn to two or three people one more time, welcome them real quick. We had a lot of people come in after that first song, so you know how we roll here. So come on, amen. Grab a seat. You can grab a seat on the bleachers there. I think we're packing it out up there. We'll help you find a seat if we can here this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm excited today to, to preach on, I'm going to preach a message called Fruit and Fences, and that will make sense at the end of this message. And then next week, I've got one of my good friends and mentors. Uh, he was over our network, over all of church planning, Lee Stevenson from Orlando. He planted two churches in Orlando, and he is going to be with us next week, uh, which is a great honor. You're going to hear from, a, a, honestly, a legit, legit man of God uh, who's, who's planted a number of churches in his lifetime. And uh, without his ministry, and leadership, I don't even know if we would be here today. And, uh, you know, and I really mean that. He has been an incredible impact. And so he's coming next week. And so, man, bring some faith next week because he's going to drop some mission. I think he's going to talk about mission. I'm not sure. I think that's where he's leaning, but it is going to be really, really exciting. So come next week for Lee because that's going to be great. And then maybe we're just rolling along with this series. And then in February, I'm going to tease this, okay? This has been on my heart for like six months, okay? So in February, we're going to do a teaching, Dating While Christian. We're going to hang a few weeks on that, and then we're going to do a couple weeks on married while Christian. Okay, so February is going to be really good, and we're going to have a panel up here. It's going to be messy. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. We're going to figure it out, okay? You guys are going to love it. Uh, How many of you this morning to get started, though, how many of you have ever been offended? How many of you have ever been offended? Okay, all right. How many of you have ever offended somebody else? All right, the rest of you are lying, which is a sin to lie in church, okay, but... It's okay. We believe Jesus has forgiven all of our sins. So how many of you ever had to forgive somebody else? Right? I would imagine all of us. The Bible actually talks a lot about offenses and forgiveness. Actually talks a lot about, in fact, the Greek word for forgiveness is mentioned or translated for forgiveness in English 146 times in the New Testament alone. So it's a concept that God obviously wants us to hear and to get right. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ and God forgave you. Colossians 3, 13, this one always means a lot to me. Bear with each other, forgive one another, and if any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So clearly the Bible is talking a lot about offenses, it's talking a lot about forgiveness because life is messy. Humans are messy. You're messy, right? It would be amazing if we would get saved and then instantly act like Jesus. How many of you know that's just not the truth, right? Like it just doesn't happen like that. Now, when someone hands you an offense, when they offend you, okay, I want to put this in our minds this morning and help you remember this. I want you to kind of think about it like this. When they offend you, they offense you. When they hand you an offense, they hand you a fence. They're handing you something, right? You're like, I was enjoying my day. I was having a great week. I was free. I interacted with some person or some crazy event or some situation, and they handed me something I didn't really want, right? And so they have handed me an offense. They've given me something now. 
It's kind of crusty. I can get splinters. It's hard. I can't cuddle with it. It's awkward to carry around, and it just makes me agitated. They have handed me an O fence. You're all tracking with me so far, okay? Now, when somebody hands us an O fence, we tend to do a couple different things with this offense, okay? For some of my more aggressive personalities, you tend to turn this into a club. And you'd be like, okay, I see how you roll. I'm going to give it right back at you, right? Like you hand me an old fence and I'm going to hand this thing right back on your head, right? But if I read the Bible and I understand the words of Christ, it seems that God does not want me to turn my offenses into clubs and just send it back at people all day long, right? And to live in this, in this cycle of kind of vindictiveness. And so there's that concept, right? For some of my more passive personalities, you tend to take an offense, and what you do is you begin to build a fence. And you begin to block yourself off from that person. But what happens typically to my more passive people, you begin to put a fence around all people. And so nobody can really get on the inside. But if I read the Bible, it seems that God does not want me to live an emotionally isolated life, doesn't want me to cut myself off from all people. And so there seems to be something that God wants me to do with human relationships. And so I I can't just build a cabin in the woods and block myself off emotionally from everybody, right? So what do I do then? When I have an offense handed to me, when somebody offends me, What are we supposed to do as believers? What is a response? If I can't turn it into a club and I can't build a a fence, what am I supposed to do when someone hands me an offense? I would love to submit to you this morning that we build bridges. When somebody hands me an offense, I can turn it into a bridge. All right? It's a new year. It's a time to make some new moves. It's a great time to do something we've never done before. How about building some bridges? Now, let's say Michelle offends me and hands me an offense, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to treat you better than you've treated me because I love Jesus, and that's it. Okay, like, I'm going to build a bridge to you. Now, she could just push the bridge back in my face, right? She's like, I really don't like you. Okay, that's fine. You know what I can do? And some people you need some space with, but I can always build a bridge of prayer. Thank you for the three amens on that. Okay, come on. Like, I can always build a bridge of prayer. Maybe they don't want the bridge of relationship, and that's okay. But I can always build a bridge of prayer. I think this is why the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. What's he saying? Build a bridge of prayer. Because maybe I can't get to them, and maybe we need a boundary. Maybe they don't need to get to me, and maybe I don't need to get to them. But guess what? I can build a bridge of prayer And God does not have the limits that I have. Oh, come on, somebody. God can visit them with mercy, and God can visit them with some judgment if he wants to. My job is to build a bridge of prayer and let God be God. But guess what? They are not the only human being on planet Earth. There are over 8 billion of us. It always amazes me how much we give to one person's opinion. So maybe they handed you an offense. It's just one out of eight billion. Let's not their opinion, let's not let it mean more than what it needs to mean in our lives. Because if Michelle just throws it back, right? Hey, guess what? There are people in my life that love me and respect me and care for me. And I can just come over here and build a bridge with Scott, right? He's a nice guy, okay? If you don't know, 
Like there's other people to build bridges with. What do I do with an O fence? I'm going to turn this thing into a bridge and I'm going to build a better life. Maybe the relationship with them isn't the greatest, but it doesn't mean I can't have great relationships in my life. I want you to have life-giving relationships. How do you do that? You build bridges, right? With the people that God is giving you, right? And I think one of the most important things I've done in ministry since planting this church is anytime I get discouraged, I make myself text or call 10 other pastors, and I will think about them, I will pray for them, and then I will text them, and I will call them, and I will be like, bro, you're amazing, you're doing better than you think you are, I prayed for you for like five, ten minutes, I'm here to encourage you, I'm lifting you up, man, you're amazing, keep going. What am I doing in this little moment of discouragement? I'm building a bridge, and I'm telling my soul, soul, it's not all about you, get up and go encourage somebody else. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, man, you can reap what you sow. And so when I'm down, I'm going to start sowing encouragement. And after a couple of hours of this, guess how I feel? I feel encouraged. I feel better. I'm reminded it's not all about me and my problems aren't really that big compared to everybody else. And I begin to reap what I So, so when somebody hands you an offense, why not turn it into a bridge? Somebody's a little crusty and edgy with you. Well, I'm going to go be kind to five other people and see what comes back. So maybe you got some of your life and you're like, you know what? They keep treating me wrong. Okay, put up a boundary, build a bridge of prayer, but go build a bridge with 10 other people and see what comes back, right? If you got crazy relationships, you know, you're the common denominator and you got to think about that, okay? I love this quote, if you don't like clowns, stop going to the circus. If you don't like drama, stop going around where drama's at. But build a bridge with other people and God will give you something back, amen? So what what are you going to do when somebody hands you an offense this month? You're going to build into a bridge, amen? It's a new year, it's a new us, it's new moves. We're going to start building bridges and having great relationships and just build a better life. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. King, he said, I have a dream that little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. He said, I have a dream today. You know, if you look around our church, this is a bridge building church. And I think you got to take a moment and give God some praise for it because we got people from different countries and colors and cultures and everybody's under the banner of Christ. And we're just a bridge building church. I think that's, that's just kind of a beautiful thing. Amen. And so we honor that. We are pursuing that. This is what heaven looks like. The Bible says every tribe and every nation and every tongue is before him under the throne. This is practice for up there. Why do we show up week after week? We're just practicing for the big event. This is practice for the main event, okay? Heaven is the Super Bowl, and this is practice. And, you know, we're going to get it right here so we can get it right there. I want to live my Christian life in such a way that when I get to heaven, I receive apologies, and I don't have to give them in front of everybody. I'd rather give my apologies and humble myself now. So when I get there, I can get some hugs and apologies, right? I have this vision of like Jesus making me stand up in front of everybody and be like, I'm sorry, I forgive you. You know, it's like, God, you would probably blow up my stuff in front of everybody in heaven, you know? So let me be good now so I don't have to apologize up up there. We're going to build bridges. We're going to build a better life. I want to look at Matthew chapter 18 this morning for our main scripture. Matthew chapter 18, I want want to look at that. And Matthew chapter 18 is full of these truth bombs 
from Jesus. I mean, just these mic drops uh, all chapter long, right? He just, he's going in hard in Matthew 18. Um, it kind of starts out with the disciples. They're arguing over who's the greatest. And Jesus is like, I'll tell you who the greatest is, one of these little kids. And if you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to be like one of these little faith-filled, innocent, servant-minded kids, just humble, just willing to love and serve everybody, right? And then he goes on. He said, if, in fact, if you harm one of these little kids and you cause them to sin, and, right? He's like, it's better that you tie a rope around your neck and throw yourself into the sea. That's violent, Jesus. <laughs> like, he's, he's a protective heart. You know, then you get a picture of God looking for lost people and and then it goes into how to address somebody when they sin against you or offend you. Jesus dives into unity in the church and the power of agreement. And it's in this context of dealing with other human relationships. And, and what do I do when somebody sins against me that Peter asks a great question? And so right here in 21, it says, Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, question mark. Now, in Peter's time, in Peter's age, the common religious teaching was you would forgive somebody three times, and after you would forgive them three times, you would just kind of kick them out of your life and, you know, get rid of them, right? And so Peter asking seven times in his mind is like radically generous because that's like double what you're supposed to do plus one, right? Like he's like, yo, plus seven is like God's number of completion, right? And so Peter's like, yo, I'm gonna be holy about this, right? I'm gonna really impress Jesus, right? Seven times, generous. And Jesus fires back at him. And he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, like, I want you to maintain a heart of forgiveness. And that mercy and that forgiveness is just free and just kind of like a little bit unlimited. Now, again, that doesn't mean I have to be in relationship. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness takes one, reconciliation takes two. And sometimes we do need to love people a bit from a distance, and that's okay. But he's saying your heart maintains forgiveness, that I am full and almost unlimited in my forgiveness. Watch this, verse 23. He tells this little parable. And it's kind of a wild parable, okay? It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold. That's a lot of money. Would you take 10,000 bags of gold now? Like inflation, like heck yeah, you know? Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So he's, he's under judgment now, right? At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go, which is exactly what God did in Christ for us. He canceled the debt of sin, and he let us go. So he forgave us. He took pity on us. He sent Jesus. He canceled the debt, let us go, all right? And so he says, I'll pay it back, and he says all this, right? All right, so then he goes out. So he lets him go, verse 27, verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Now, let me ask you, what's greater, 10,000 bags of gold or 100 silver coins? 10,000 bags of gold is way, way greater, right? Watch this. The debt that you and I owe God is so much greater than the debt somebody else owes us. Always. Because he's infinitely loving and he's infinitely holy, right? And so it's an infinite offense against his goodness and against his love, 
right? See, if you sin against me, like, okay, but maybe I had part in that. Maybe I miscommunicated. Maybe I misunderstood. Maybe, you know, my communication is imperfect. I'm definitely not a perfect person. I'm not perfect holiness. But see, you sin against him and he is perfect. So the debt is always greater, okay? And so he grabs him and he begins to choke him. He says, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. In verse 32, then the master called the servant. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? See, forgiveness is me choosing from my heart to have mercy on my fellow man who is also imperfect, just like I am. Pride will often keep me from a heart of mercy. Doesn't, isn't that interesting? You see, what happens to us is we get in church for a while and we start getting our lives together. We get some godly wisdom. We get some holiness. And we start like acting like, yo, now we're next to God and we're better. And we forget what it's like to have that start and to have that hurt and to have that pain and to act a little crazy. Right When I'm reminded of what I used to be, it gives me mercy for other people. It gives me grace for other people and the mistakes that they make because I've made some of my own. It reminds me to be merciful, right? And there's this warning in verse 35. He's like, listen, man, if you, if you, if you act like that, your heavenly father is going to treat you like this, right? Like What I've realized in my heart after I got saved, I thought, you know what, God? It doesn't matter what people do to me. I'm never going to let that mean more to me than what you did for me. And forgiveness is going to keep me free. When I found my first love, I don't want anyone to take me away from that first love. So even if you say something crazy or you do something crazy, it's like, I'll forgive you. I might put up a boundary and love you from a distance and build a bridge of prayer, okay? But I'm going to forgive you. And guys, I have had some pains in my life. I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and I have gone through some stuff. I have. You think Christian leadership is easy? It is not. If you want to make people happy, sell ice cream. If you want, if you want to tick them off, lead them, okay? Like, I've had some hurts in my life. In fact, one person hurt me so bad, it took me several years to really forgive them. And you'd be like, I thought you were a pastor. You're supposed to forgive right away. Like, it took me some time to forgive them for what they did and what they said. It, it hurt. You know, I, here's what I know. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice, okay? It's a choice. It, it's commanded by Jesus, but it doesn't come easy to your flesh or your mind or your emotions, all right? And forgiveness does not justify the wrong. It doesn't all of a sudden say, okay, that was wrong, but now I'll just pretend to make it right. That's not forgiveness, right? But what forgiveness does is forgiveness keeps my heart free, and forgiveness keeps everything in perspective. No, no. What Jesus did for me is greater than what others do to me. And because he forgave me and my debt was greater, I'm going to let forgiveness flow. I'm not going to plug it up in my life. I'm going to let it flow. It keeps me spiritually vibrant. If you've been around our church for a little bit, I've used these quotes before, but I, I use them like every six months because I want you to, I want you to know it. Bitterness is the poison we drink, hoping it harms the other person, right? When I refuse to forgive, I grow bitter. Life will force you to get better or bitter. You cannot stay the same. Driving in South Florida will force you to get bitter 
or better. You, you cannot stay the same. This is not Kansas, baby. You can't drive like you're in Nebraska. I love this quote from Lewis B. Smeets. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness frees me up. When we refuse to forgive, in a weird way, psychologically, we keep that person or that event in our lives, don't we? My bitterness does nothing to destroy their emotional happiness. They could have gone on and dancing and living life, and they, they may not have ever even apologized. They might have felt the wrong thing they did to me was even justified. Isn't that annoying? Me being bitter and me being miserable and me being locked in unforgiveness does nothing to them, but it does everything to me. And it keeps me tied to the event, keeps me tied to that person in, in a weird way. One more illustration this morning. When we get offended, imagine someone handing you an offense and you refuse to forgive, you refuse to let it go. It's like carrying around trash. Now, it doesn't take long for trash to start smelling, right? Starts thinking a little bit. Why do we throw things away? Because, well, after the event, it's over, right? And so there's no life here. There's no event here. So we need to get rid of it, okay? So why do you put the pizza box in the trash? Because the event is over, right? You open the pizza box. The salad was right there, but the you ate half that Papa John's before you knew it, right? And then you're in guilt 20 minutes later. I got to go to the gym tomorrow and do some cardio. Like, okay, but then when the event is over, when dinner's over, you throw the box away because there's no more life. There's no more life. And so I need to get rid of the trash. If I don't get rid of the trash, what we end up doing is we start rummaging. We start, we start looking. We start keeping it around. How many of you have been offended and then you rummage? Can you believe what they said to me? Can you believe how they looked at me? Can you believe they cut me off and then flipped me off? My God, like, who are these people? And we go to church. We're like, God bless you. God's so good. And then we'll go home and we'll rummage from three years ago. And we'll look, right? And we'll show up at church with our spouse. Oh, I love them so much. But we're rummaging from five years ago. And we're digging. And the next time we fight, you better believe that piece of junk is coming back out, right? Well, you said eight years ago and two months, you know, like... Women be like that, though. My wife's got, like, everything I did wrong on a spreadsheet. Like, she's not true. She goes, that's not true. And so we live life, and then we meet somebody else that's crusty. They hand us another bag of trash. Now we're just rummaging around with two trash bags. What happens to our own emotional makeup is it begins to smell, right? Now, my mind is not as healthy 
or as whole as it's supposed to be. And my life begins to stink a little bit because the bitterness is just kind of on me. I'm just angry. Now it's not me, it's my anger, right? And I think one of the most, as a pastor, I think one of the things maybe that saddens me the most is as I interact with other people now, would you stand up, my lovely wife? Now I'm interacting with my wife, but my wife's not just interacting with me, she's interacting with me and my baggage. She's interacting with me and my trash and me and my bitterness. And so when I try to get close to somebody else, I'm bringing my bitterness. And we all, we all have baggage. But we, we all have this. It's okay. Everybody's been handed an offense, right? Everybody's been handed this, right? But if I don't release it, I'll walk through it. I, I, I preached this message once. It was like a year or so ago. But I said, I'm a firm believer you should date one person at a time. Meaning you'll go out this Friday with somebody new, but what you're doing is you're carrying around all the emotion of the last three people. And so you're not dating one person, you're dating like three people. And so you're hanging on to all this junk, you're trying to get to know somebody new, but the other people are living on the inside of you, right? So we we really want to date one person at a time. In other words, you want to be free to be you, right? One of my favorite quotes is, if I don't heal from the cuts that I have, I bleed on people who never cut me. Right. If I don't heal from the hurts, then I bleed on others that, that never cut me. It's just kind of kind of weird. One of, one of the words in the Greek that, that is used to translate to forgiveness, oh my God, I cannot get this trash off me, is it carries this very real concept of release. The word really is used to release. And so when God is asking us to forgive in a, in a very real way, what he's saying is, I want you to release it. Because if you're hanging on to unforgiveness and you're hanging on to bitterness, right? You're hanging on to something that will never have life. The event is over. The event is over. And now if I hang on to it, I keep the person or the event in my life, even though it's over. How many people have stayed in our lives way past what they needed to because we held on to the bitterness? And sometimes we feel like maybe they deserve it, and so we'll hang on to it. Sometimes we might feel like we deserve it. Sometimes we just get familiar with our bitterness. And we're like, well, if I let go of my trash, what do I hang on to? What do I do if I let it go? Here's what I want to say today is your pastor, God is not going to leave you empty-handed. Never. He's asking you to release one thing so you can carry what he has for you. This is a bowl of fresh fruit. My toddlers love fruit right now. In this bowl is life. I can eat this. It tastes good. It can sustain me. I can plant this. There are whole orchards in this thing. This is life. I can't make room to hold life if I'm just hanging on to my bitterness all the time. And so God is saying, why don't you release the dead things and the bitter things and the unforgiving things because, child, the event is over. The person's out of your life. You've already blocked them on X. It's over. It's over. So let them go. Let them go. And hang on to 
what I have, your purpose, the good plans that I have for you, the future not to harm you, to fill you with my spirit and life. He is the God of life and life more abundant. Why are some of you not walking in life? It's because you're hanging on to the bitterness. And you can keep the bitterness as long as you want. I I can't make you do nothing, right? You're a grown adult. You're going to do whatever you want. But I, I will tell you, you can hang on to the bitterness as long as you want. You can rummage all day long. But here's what I promise. You will not find life there. You will not find joy there. You will not find peace there. You will not find wholeness there. You can run that argument a thousand times in your mind. And I do, I do that a lot sometimes. I'm like, oh, I should have said that. I always think about the good stuff after, right? Like, I, I'm not that quick in the moment, right? But it's like, oh, I can do that a thousand times, but it's over. What I will never find there is my future. I'll never find my calling. I'll never find God's mercy, his grace, his life. I have to let it go and embrace what God has. Oh, God, it's overflowing. Look at that. See, it's like like I have to hold on to the life that he has. And then when I interact with others, they're interacting with me and the life of God in me. And it can feed me, and now it can feed them. It can feed me and feed my marriage. It can feed me and feed my kids. It can feed me and then feed a congregation. But only life can do that. My trash cannot feed you, right? Check this out. What does the Bible say? That you would go and bear fruit. That out of the abundance of what God is doing in me will feed me and feed other people. But I got to let go of the trash to hold on to what he has. Amen? Would you guys stand to your feet as we close today? Did you enjoy today's message? It's a new year. It's a new us. We're making new moves. What a better way to begin this year with letting go of last year. Come on, guys, so we can embrace this year. Show me a favor one more time. Too. Just close your eyes. And just, we don't do this all the time, but This morning, this message is for those that need it. And you need to forgive somebody. You need to let go of an event. Maybe you need to forgive yourself this morning. But you will not find life there. And Jesus is offering something better this morning. With all eyes closed for a moment, just... If this morning was for you, just lift your hands. Just say, yo, I needed that. Amazing. Look at this. What I find so fascinating about the Bible, the more I read it, the more I'm fascinated, is the Bible multiple times talks about offenses, forgiveness, that we need to forgive. It commands that we forgive. But it never tells you how to forgive. It it doesn't say walk around your bed three times, say the Lord's Prayer, shout, and then you did it. You you forgave. And And I think the reason it doesn't give us a recipe is because God knows that we don't need a recipe to forgive. He knows that we need Him to forgive. That the how to is I have to go to the Holy Spirit. 
and, and I need to start talking to God and say, God, I, I know I need to forgive this person. I know I need to let this go. But yo, this is hard. Would you help me forgive? Would you extend your grace now so I could forgive? Would you fill me with your spirit so I can forgive? Lord, would you help me because I can't do it? I, I think it's to drive us to the conclusion I cannot forgive and be whole and truly free without the help of the Holy Spirit. That I need God's help. There's no recipe, but it is Him. And He is able to fill me with His love. He's able to give me an outpouring of His love. And I may not love that person in my flesh, but surely as the Holy Spirit moves in, God can develop love and forgiveness in me so I can be free and I can be His. So this morning, if you need to forgive somebody, in your own way, in your own heart right now, would you just begin to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, I forgive and put their name in there. And say, Lord, now help me. Make me free. Heal my heart. Let wholeness come back to me. I want your joy, your life. I want to carry the life you have for me. So I'm letting go. Come on, guys, just 30 more seconds. Lean into this. I really feel the Holy Spirit right now. Some of you are really getting free. Heavenly Father, I pray for us. We are a free people by the power and the blood of Jesus. Lord, when people hand us offenses, we're going to build bridges. But Lord, right now, my prayer is for everybody that's locked in a little bit of bitterness. They're locked in some of that unforgiveness. They're just carrying around lifeless trash. Lord, would you move this morning? Would you extend your hand this morning? Would you give us grace this morning to let go? forgive and Lord by faith we pick up the life that you're giving us that you're extending to us thank you Lord let's all just pray this together just say Heavenly Father I receive your love. God, would you help me forgive? And in your own mind right now, just name them. Name the event, name the person. We're not going to say it out loud, but just, Lord, help me forgive right now. I, I let them go. Let's all say this right now. Say, Lord, I release them to your hands. I'm not going to carry it. I'm letting it go. I receive your life and your love in Jesus name amen amen hey one more time would you just give it up for Jesus this morning oh it's a beautiful moment I think some some people's year got shifted a little bit
forgiven people, we're grateful people, we want to walk light. We're letting go. It says cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.